0: How is everybody? <laughs> good. Hey, it's been a really, really good weekend. So uh, Friday night, if you weren't here, we had a couple of thousand people in here uh, worshiping for a couple of hours. Baptized, I think, 30 on Friday night. Um, we baptized another 67 in the last three services. So yeah, uh, almost a hundred so far. And um, I want to tell you guys, I'm extremely proud of this church. David Whetstone and his group mentor leaders, they had 200 names that they needed to get sponsorships for, uh, for kids in Africa, for education, for, um, for food, and uh, uh, for health care. And so far, I, I think they're lacking 24 kids to be represented, and they've, they've had all 200 represented just from this church. So before you guys leave here, and, and this isn't like a ploy, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't know, manipulate you or something, please pray about sponsoring a kid. Um, you guys have heard me say a hundred times: if you go from a venti to a grande size drink at Starbucks, you can you can sponsor a kid for uh, healthcare, for um, education, and just for food. Right? It's 35 bucks a month. Please pray about there uh, about that. Go back and see those guys at, at their stand back there, and um, I'd love for them to not have to worry about hitting up a bunch more churches after this that they will meet all the quota that they need to meet just through this one church and they can go on and do the ministry that they need to do, okay? So please pray about that. Um, another neat thing in that video you saw, I'll brag on Savut, who does our middle school ministry here at the church. Uh, I've only seen Savut cry twice and it was this weekend. Um, and again, I'll embarrass him and his family a little bit. When I first met Savute, uh, there was no other Christians in his family. He's Cambodian. He comes from a family that is all Buddhist. And so uh, I met him several years ago, eventually hired him. He's just a really, really sharp young man. He does great work here. And since I have met him, he's baptized two of his cousins. And in that video, you saw him baptize his sister, which is really, really neat. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool, right? That's what, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. We're seeing people's lives be transformed and they're giving their life to Jesus Christ. These are important weekends. So here's my objective. If you've never been to the church before, um, we typically go through whole books of the Bible. We, we typically don't have all this going on, right? I made a joke. We're going to send like the kiss cam around to all you married couples in here and like put you up on the jumbotrons and, and uh, you know, charge every once in a while in the middle of the sermon. So uh, that's not going to happen. Don't worry about that. But... Uh, if you've never been here before, typically we're in a whole book of the Bible. We've been in Acts for several months now. We'll get back to that next week, and uh, I'll be up there versus right here, and um, we'll get back to kind of some normalcy, whatever that looks like in church. And, um, but here's my objective today. We're going to talk about baptism. Baptism. And there's two things I hopefully want to get across. First is, I just want to educate you on what baptism is. Not that I'm a scholar, not that I know everything, but I hope that if you've never been baptized, maybe you were baptized as a child or an infant, or maybe you were baptized and you just didn't understand what you were doing at the time, I hope to take you through some parts of the Bible, show you some evidence, kind of show you some different things about baptism that'll give you clarity on what that even means. What does it mean to get baptized? And that leads into the second thing that I hope to accomplish today. That if you have not been baptized or you were baptized at a time when it wasn't your choice, again, either as an infant or maybe a young child, if you feel the Lord telling you to get baptized today, we have clothes back here in this back corner through these double doors. We have towels. We have uh, information we're gonna give you. We're gonna get your information so we can stay in touch with you. Got baptismal tanks right over here. We'll pray for you. My second thing is that if you have not done this, I hope that you'll be persuaded, and I hope the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and um, that you'll think about doing this. One more thing before I get into the lesson. We have, uh, uh, he used to be young, he's getting old now, a guy from the sheriff's department whose birthday is today. You always see him walking around. Jared, who's one of the people that helps keep us safe, all four services. We, hey, there he is right back here, Right? <laughs> Not only do we appreciate our Sheriff's Department, he is here at all four services making sure people are safe, and uh, walking around, and and he turns 53 today, so make sure you... uh, (laughs) uh, What was that? 21. (laughs) Yeah, right, (laughs) he said 21, I know that's not true. All right, so we're gonna pray, we're gonna pray for Jared, (laughs) no, 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 but uh, we're gonna pray today, we'll go through this baptism lesson, if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart about this, Let's let's do it today. And um, and so again, make sure you go by and see the mentor leaders, guys. And so I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into this, and uh, we'll close out a great weekend. Okay, Lord Jesus, God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, Father God. We just want to say thank you, Lord, for such a wonderful weekend, God. Thank you, Lord, for almost a hundred people who've already decided to get baptized this weekend, God. Thank you, Lord. Um, We're just going to speak in faith, God, that that, that this church is going to meet the needs of all 200 of those children with mentor leaders. And I want to thank you for everyone, God, who has stepped up and honored you, Lord, and did the right thing with their finances to help them, God. I want to pray for everyone in this room that if they have not been baptized, Lord, that you gently but firmly convict them. Speak to their hearts today. God, help me teach this lesson, Lord. We pray for every church in our community today. We pray for all the great nonprofits in our community And we pray, God, that in some small way that this weekend has honored you and blessed you, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so baptism is not overtly complicated. Let me kind of give you a little synopsis of what baptism means. Baptism is our symbolic and public display that we have become Christians, right? This is us saying to the world that we follow Jesus Christ. Biblically, it says this is where we become a new person, It says either a new man, a new woman. This is where the Bible says we are brought to life. In the most simple way of explaining it, because I'm a pretty simple guy and I need things in simple terms, I think of it like a wedding ring, right? This is not my marriage, but it is symbolic of the fact that I am married. When we are baptized, that is not our salvation, but it is symbolic of the fact that we are saved. It is saying to the world around us, I'm taken, and I'm taken specifically by Jesus Christ. That's my husband, right? That's where my identity is. So simply put, baptism identifies us as Christians. It's the most visible, evident thing we can do to show that we are in the family of God. It should also be a turning point. Now, there's nothing magical about the water back there. It's not like you're gonna come up and look different or just automatically just be a you know, completely carefree person in your life, but it will mark a turning point in your life. When we first give our life to Christ, we already start to see a turn, right? We start to change the way we think and act and how we respond and how we live. Now there's another turn that takes place, a more dramatic turn, when we say to the world around us, we are followers of Christ. Now we're held accountable because we've publicly committed to follow Jesus, and we do that through baptism. Again, just to show you the enormity of baptism, it says, having been buried with Jesus through baptism, you were raised to life with Jesus through faith and the working of God, who raised him from the dead. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that activates and brings us to life when we are baptized. It is a big deal, okay? So, to give you some evidence, again, that's one of my hopes today, is just to show you some things in the Bible that will hopefully persuade you, or at the very least, educate you, on what baptism is. The first piece of evidence is that Jesus Christ was the example about baptism. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus Christ was baptized. And before baptism was a thing for salvation, if you get into the Old Testament, the different protocols and different things one had to go through to push away sin, to roll away sin, it was pretty rigorous. If you get into the book of Leviticus, if you get into the dietary laws and the ceremonial laws, and you get into all that stuff, you had to take a lamb once a year, you had to sacrifice it, pour the blood on the altar, burn certain parts, they would eat certain parts, discard certain parts. It was very, very rigorous. And all that did is it didn't alleviate sin. It just pushed it forward until the next year. And so for centuries and centuries and centuries, mankind's sin got pushed forward pushed forward, pushed forward until the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, came and he was going to take all the sins of the past and he was going to take all the sins of the future and he was going to get rid of them, right? And a part of that was going to come through baptism. So no no longer was it going to be a temporary rolling away of sin, it was going to be a permanent cleansing of sin. So this started to, to, this ball started to roll with this when there was a guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist, they say, baptized somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000 people. It's a lot of people, right? So he would sit there day in, day out at the Jordan River, baptizing people, and he was preparing them for Christ. He was preparing them for the Savior that was coming. And so one day, as John is baptizing people, Jesus you know, cuts in front of line. He can do that. He created all the people anyways, right? So gets in front of line, goes up to John, Baptist, and he says, I need you to baptize me. You can imagine, if you're John, what that would be like, right? So so the creator of the universe, the Son of God, walks up and says, hey, I need you to baptize me. John was like, whoa, I I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me, right? But here was Jesus' response, and this is very important. Jesus said it should be done because this is how we carry out what God requires, Jesus was saying, John, there's gonna be a new way of doing things, and I'm going to set the example. So John said, okay, I get it, right? So he agreed, and he baptized Jesus after Jesus' baptism. It says the sky opens up, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and they heard the audible voice of God say these words, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Footnote, right, off to the side. If you get baptized for no other reason, it makes God smile, and that should be enough, right? It pleases our heavenly Father. So he was obedient to God, and he sets the example. Now, here's the thing. Jesus had no sin to repent for. Did he have to get baptized? No, he was perfect already. He didn't get baptized because he had to. He got baptized to set a precedent, to set an example for what God wants from us we also see that Jesus never asks us to do anything that he hasn't already done. So if Jesus asks us to get baptized, he's already done it first. If he asks us to give up our life, he's already done that as well. God will never ask us to do anything that he hasn't already been through himself, okay? Another piece of information or some, uh, some, some evidence about baptism is one that you guys should already know if you've been coming to church here. It's from the book of Acts. What happens is, The relationship that we have with God is a process. And and so after we are saved, we start to grow in our relationship. That means being sanctified. That's the fancy word for growing closer to God and being set apart for God to use us. And that happens all throughout our life. We get closer and closer to him. And as we move through this process, different choices that we make activate the Holy Spirit in our life. So what happens is this, when we first become a Christian, at the very beginning of our walk with God, we are to genuinely repent. That doesn't mean we just ask for forgiveness. Guys, we're going to talk like adults in here, right? If I ask God to forgive me of looking at pornography, and then I look at it every single day, I haven't repented for my sin. I've asked for forgiveness, but I have not completely repented. Repented means that we turn away from the sin that we walk a different direction. So instead of you saying, well, God, I'm sorry I slept with my girlfriend again, but you keep doing it every single day, we are to take steps to change the way we think and act that is genuinely repenting, okay? It's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is we get baptized as a public profession of faith. And when we truly repent, and when we are baptized for our sins, right, for the remission of our sins, that activates the Holy Spirit in our life, and it allows us and empowers us to live in a way that we can't do without God. We have to have Him with us. Now here's the part you guys should know if you've been here with us. We've been in the book of Acts for a long time, but at the beginning of the book of Acts, when the church first begins, All these people have gone up into this big rented apartment room in downtown Jerusalem and they go rent this apartment, there's about 120 of them, because Jesus said, I need you to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what that meant, right? They didn't know what that looked like, but Jesus said, go wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is not the first one who talked about the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, 700 years before Jesus even came, one of the prophets of God said, One day, Joel was his name, one day God's going to pour out his Holy Spirit on all of his followers. So this group of men and women went up in this apartment and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, whatever that was going to look like, right? So as they're waiting, it says in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes into the room, it says like a rushing mighty wind, fills everyone in the room up with the Holy Spirit. What happens? They pour out onto the streets, they are speaking in tongues. All the, all the different Jewish people in, in Jerusalem are going to work, drinking their coffee, and they're like, whoa, the Christians are crazy. Maybe they're drunk and it's only nine o'clock in the morning, right? They look at the sundial on their wrist. Maybe it's only nine o'clock it's only nine o'clock in the morning. And um because <laughs> they didn't have like swatch watch back then yet. Uh, Those of you in your 30s are like, swatch, watch, yeah. Okay, anyways. And so as they're walking around, the Christians are speaking in tongues and languages that they shouldn't be able to speak. And Peter jumps up like he gets the the crowd's attention and, and he says, hey, they're not crazy. Let me tell you what's going on. The Holy Spirit that Joel talked about, the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about, it's getting poured out right now. That's what's happening. And Peter proceeds to tell them the story of Jesus, Right? And so at the end of the story of Jesus, he has gotten the crowd's attention. They look at him and they say, okay, Peter, we believe you. What do we do now? What do we do now? And maybe one of the most important passages in the entire Bible, Peter answers the question, what do we do when we turn to Jesus? And he says, this is what you do. First, you repent. We already talked about that. Repent, He said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you do this, and when you do this, he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. It's for your kids. It's for everyone that hasn't even heard this message yet, as many as the Lord our God will call. And it says that he continued to teach them. With many other words, he testified. He strongly urged them to be saved from this corrupt generation. And so here's what's very, very important. Listen to this. Those that accepted the gospel, those that accepted the good news about Jesus, what did they do? They were baptized, 3,000 of them in one day. Just to give you perspective, our church, this one, not including the one in Woodbury, we run about 3,200 people on an average weekend. Imagine everyone who comes to the experience getting baptized in one, in one moment, right? That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. It's a lot of people. And so here's the thing. If you are in this room and you have already been baptized, or if you're in this room and you're going to get baptized today, so that's going to be the majority of us in this room, right? You don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. For some reason in modern day Christianity, people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you just need to be educated about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us and the gifts of the Spirit are given to us. So we can act more like Christ, so we can advance the kingdom of God, and we don't need to be afraid of things like healing or the gift of wisdom or speaking in tongues or prophecy. We don't need to be afraid of those things. We just need to be educated about those things. So I encourage all of you in this room, go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and read about the gifts of the Spirit. Be educated on those things because God wants to use you in those things for His glory and for your relationship with Him. Okay. The next piece of evidence is this: Jesus simply instructs us to get baptized. I get a kick out of a lot of like, modern-day Christians. We want to like, argue things like crazy. We just want to you know, go down, let's break down the Greek, let's break down the Hebrew. Well, you know a lot, a lot of theologians have already done that. That's how we get our modern translation of the Bible. But anyways, so people always want to argue and they always want to debate. That's because all of us are naturally rebellious, some of us more than others, right? but we're naturally rebellious. Now here's the thing about baptism. I cannot explain to you everything about baptism because I don't know it all, but I know that it is imperative that we are obedient to God's instructions, okay? I think we can all agree on that as Christians. We're obedient to what Jesus tells us to do. Now this passage that you see is also a very famous passage in the Bible. It's called the Great Commission. It's called the Great Commission because it was obviously very important to Jesus. This is the last thing that Jesus says as he's leaving earth and he's going up to heaven, right? He leaves in body, not in spirit, but he leaves in body. And the last thing he says is he's going up to heaven. He's ascending into heaven. He looks down on the church, his followers, and this is what he says. He says, go and make disciples baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and observe everything that I've commanded you and I am with you until the ends of the age. Now, if you take out a Greek concordance and break down every single word, you know what it'll say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and the, it says the exact same thing. This is a direct command from Christ that we are to make disciples, baptize and teach. This is the three primary functions of the Christian church. This is what we do. And so Jesus also says in another gospel that if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. So he has told the church to make disciples, baptize, and teach. And if we love Jesus, we will make disciples, baptize, and teach. It is a very direct command. Another piece of information about baptism that I think is very important is that baptism identifies us with the resurrection of Jesus. There is a lot of symbolism in baptism. So if you stay, and it'll be up on on all the big screens if you want to watch it from your seat, but you can watch the baptisms. Now, when you watch the baptisms, there's a lot of symbolism in baptism. So it's kind of symbolic of a grave. You have the water. People are here. We bury them in the water, right? Bury them in the grave. It's their old self dying. And then when they come up out of the water, it's the new self coming to life, right? This newness. And so one of the most wonderful parts about baptism is that it's symbolic of a fresh start. There's this young woman that came up Friday. Man, I mean, just... I'm getting old, man. I just cry really easily, like easily now. And so this, 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 this young woman walks up and she's just bawling, man. I mean, just like crying like crazy. And so I typically ask people questions before I baptize them. You know, like, you know, what do you want to leave in the water? Or what do you want differently? Or what made you come up and do this? And I'll ask them questions. And I asked this young lady, I said, what do you want to be different when you come up? And she's just, I mean, just bawling. She just looks at me and she says, everything. And I was like, that's a great answer because everything will be different. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna be perfect when you leave here. doesn't mean you come out, you know, with like a perfect body and the most popular person. You know, like, it doesn't mean that, that everything changes like that. But the Holy Spirit now walks with you, and the Holy Spirit equips you. And though all hell still may be waiting out there, we are now equipped with God's Spirit, and we can face all hell, right? So it, we come empowered by God, and everything is different baptizing her and her coming up out of the water just smiling and crying more and it was wonderful. It's funny about baptizing people. They want to hug the first person they see and that's typically me, right? So like, so I just come out and I'm, you know, I get baptized like eight times a year. So anyways, the Bible says this, are you unaware that all of those who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, therefore were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead in the glory of the Father, look at this, we walk in a new way of life. We walk in a new way of life. We are different than, when we were, than what we were before we got baptized. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, again, look at the symbolism, the likeness of his death, we will also be joined with him in the likeness of his resurrection. So we know that our old self is crucified. The old quarry died in 2002, right? The old self is crucified in order that sin's dominion over the body is abolished. I mean, you're going to be perfect. No, but sin doesn't have a grip on you anymore. You can run to God and God can deliver you so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. That's good stuff. This young man in this picture with the long hair, I I guess I should say longer hair, they both have long hair, but the young man getting baptized in this picture, it was neat. I looked over Friday night and he got baptized at our previous worship night and then at this last worship night, he was baptizing somebody. I thought that was kind of cool. So when we baptize you here, We always pray Jesus' name over you when we baptize. Now, let me explain a little bit about this. I come from a denomination that thought, and I'm not trying to be mean, I came from a denomination where they thought there was a magical formula, that if the person doing the baptizing didn't say the exact right words, that your baptism was null and void, that it didn't mean anything. Now, listen, Romans chapter 8 clarifies that. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. So what I say cannot thwart your salvation. So whoever baptizes you, if they don't say the exact right thing, if your heart is where it needs to be, if you are repentant and if you are doing it for the right reasons because you want to have a deeper relationship with God, there's nothing anyone can say to mess up your salvation, right? It depends on your heart. Let me also clarify though, there is something quite powerful about the name of Jesus Christ. So we wanna pray the one name that you're going to be identifying with for the rest of eternity, we do wanna pray that over you. This is another side note. If you're a new Christian in here, or maybe you're an old Christian, but maybe you've just forgotten. The name of Jesus holds all weight and all power. So if you don't know what else to say, if life is just beating the snot out of you, if everything is going wrong, if you don't have any eloquent words, if you just call out the name of Jesus, that is sufficient. That name is extremely powerful. And we wanna make sure that we pray that name over you if you get baptized in here. Now, this is an important scripture. It's a lesson for another time, but let me go off on a tangent here for a second. The biggest problem right now in the world is not transgenderism or violence. It's not video games or music. It's not, I don't know, sex before marriage. These are all symptoms of the fact that we don't know where our identity comes from. You guys are with me today, right? Okay, good. And so if we knew where our identity lied, all these other symptoms and culture that we struggle with, they would get rectified. And so it says in Galatians, that we're all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. Now here's the thing, look at this. Written almost 2,000 years ago, and look what Paul writes here. We're not Jews or Greeks, we're not slave or free, we're not men or women, we're one under Christ. Our identity doesn't come from our gender, it doesn't come from our occupation, our, gender to, or our identity doesn't come from our skin color, our identity comes by Jesus Christ and the name that we call on. And so if we would just figure out where our worth is, our worth doesn't come from what we have materially or where we're from or who we are, our worth comes from our identity in Jesus Christ. We need to know this. That's why we pray the name of Jesus over people. Now, the last part of this, and this is the one that that people tend to get hung up on, right? They argue about and denominations split over it and all this kind of stuff. And that's the question of, do you have to get baptized to go to heaven? I never answer this question. I don't really think the Bible goes out of its way to directly answer this question because any of the first century Christians that wrote the New Testament would have never asked such a silly question. The question is ridiculous. Here's the thing. When we start to understand what God has done for us, we're not going to ask how little we can do in return. All throughout the New Testament, There's this common response from people who come into an understanding of who Jesus is. All throughout the New Testament, if you were with us last week, the first person who ever became a Christian in Europe was a woman named Lydia. How does she respond to the gospel? She got baptized. You go back a little bit further, the first non-Jewish person to ever receive Christ was an Italian man named Cornelius. What happened? He got baptized, he and his whole household. Go back a little bit further, the first person who was not Jewish by blood, they still worshiped the, 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 the Jewish God, but not Jewish by blood. The first one to become a follower of Jesus was an Ethiopian man. What does he do? He receives the gospel and he gets baptized. So we see this repetitive thing throughout the entire New Testament. We see first that people ask for repentance. This is how they respond to the gospel, right? They ask God to forgive them of their sins. They have a heartfelt sorrow for the fact that they have upset or offended God. They have a desire to change. They deny their self in order to walk in obedience to Jesus. That is the first step. The second step, biblically, is that they have faith in Christ. What, what I mean by that is, I'm not talking about just knowing that Jesus is the Savior. It says in the book of James that the devils in hell know that Jesus is the Savior, but they're still in hell, right? Right? So there's a difference between knowing who Jesus is and having saving faith. Saving faith is different. Saving faith is a relationship with God. It's trusting God with your finances, with your relationships. It's trusting God with every part of our life. It is complete surrender to God. Saving faith. And then like I said, the response all throughout the New Testament is baptism. This outward profession to what has happened inside. All throughout the Bible, this is the common response to the gospel, all throughout the New Testament. So here's the thing, guys. If you're in here and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, and if we find ourselves asking, well, do I have to do it? Not just with baptism, but if God ever asks us to do anything and we say in return, do we have to? Look, I guess Jesus didn't have to hang on a cross for nine hours for us, but he did, right? God didn't have to send his only son to die for our sins, but he did. And so if we start to understand the weight of sin, if we start to understand that Jesus Christ died for us, even when he knew we were going to reject him, we start to approach God with humility and we start to approach God with obedience. And when we start asking God, how little do we have to do? Do you guys see how awful that is, right? God, you died for me, right? The most violent, brutal death ever on the cross. Uh, Do I have to get in this thing of water, right? There's a deeper heart issue with us if we're looking for the bare minimum just to get by. You should try that with your marriage sometime, right? Hey, baby, do we have to go on dates, right? The date's already ruined at that point, right? I don't care if you take her out or not, it's already done, right? You've already blown that chance. So whenever you approach your spouse and say, what's the bare minimum I can do? There's a serious relational issue there. So with our relationship with God, we need to learn to ask better questions. When we understand what God has done for us, our questions should never be centered around, do I have to do it? But once we start to understand all God has done for us, the sacrifice that Christ has made, our response should always be centered around, God, what more can I do? What more can I do? In our first service, we baptized two missionaries. They're here on a missionary trip. They're they're, they're young. They're 19 and 17, I think. But both of them, I was in the middle of teaching. They said, why not? We need to do this, right? So I ask you today, what has stopped you from doing this? What has stopped you from doing this? We have clothes for you. We have towels for you. We have jacuzzi-like temperatures in the waters over here yeah that that might have been a stretch of the truth but uh we do have water right plenty of water it's over there we have towels for you we'll get your information we'll keep in touch with you we'll give you some information we'll try to plug you into some classes after this that you can grow in your relationship with God why not why not listen I've baptized, we've baptized in the last nine years, literally thousands and thousands of people at this church. And of those thousands of thousands of baptisms, we have never pulled one person up that regretted getting baptized, right? You like dunk them and they come up and they're just like, eh, that kind of sucked, right? That has never happened. (laughs) Never happened. It is a life-changing, wonderful event. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray here in a second. If you want, if you're new to the church, Uh, there's communion all the way around us. Everyone is welcome to take communion. Wherever there's a little lamp on a table, you're welcome to take communion. We only ask that you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. That's the only thing you need to do. Ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and you can take the body and blood of Jesus in the communion, okay? Why we're doing that, if you have not been baptized or if you were baptized at a time when it wasn't your decision, I want you to take just a minute and ask God if this is what you need to do. And if you feel any inkling that this is what God wants you to do, just go right back to these double doors and we'll get you taken care of, okay? It's a big deal, but at the same time, it's, it, it's, it's not inconvenient. We'll make it very easy for you. It'll be the best thing you've ever decided to do. Would you guys bow your heads with me, please? Lord Jesus, God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. If there's anyone in this room, God, who has maybe never been baptized or maybe they were baptized at an age when it really wasn't their decision. I pray, God, that you just gently but firmly just just touch their hearts, God. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who is not a believer, they're not a Christian at all. I pray that something that was spoken today just kind of gets their attention. I pray that they keep an open mind. I pray that they come back next week and hear us teach through the book of Acts a little bit. Father, Lord, we just want to thank you for all the people who take communion today. God, I pray that we approach it with repentant hearts, that we remember what you've done for us through the cross, God. Lord, we want to thank you for all the people who've already gotten baptized, and we want to thank you in advance, God, for the ones who are going to get baptized today. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. You're welcome to join us back there in the back. You're welcome to help yourself to communion. Make sure you go back and see my friend David and his team back there in the corner.